And, and then the other piece of it was just the fear of losing a job uh, increased dramatically. So the top line headline was one of anxiety in the marketplace. Don't conduct your analysis in isolation because data is so incredibly powerful. Not defending just the tribe, but defending the organization. Those creative people that you really want to keep empowered, keep excited, keep motivated, keep thinking. Good experience pays dividends down the line. Stereotypes tend to break down in proximity. Welcome to We're Only Human, a podcast about human resources, business, technology, and the workplace. My name is Ben Eubanks, your host, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey everyone, welcome to We're Only Human. I'm Ben Eubanks, your host. Goodness, it feels like it's been forever since we've had an episode coming out and uh, we've been doing a lot of great things though and I can't wait to share this story today. You know, one of the reports I look forward to, I'm always, I'm a data nut, you've heard that before. One of the reports I look forward to every year is the annual Job Seeker Nation report and I see something in there every single year that surprises me, that really resonates and so I actually asked the team to bring someone, to send someone, to, to chat with us with us about that. I said, hopefully they're a fellow data nerd. And so we have Jeff Roars with us here today to talk about that. Welcome, Jeff. It's great to be here. Awesome. Good to have you. Well, tell the audience a little about who you are and what you do, sir. Sure. I am the uh, chief marketing officer of Job Bites. I am uh, in the midst of uh, month number three on the job. So I know names, folks know me, but I've completely onboarded in this virtual work from home environment. So that's been quite interesting. In past lives, I've been Chief Marketing Officer of Yext and a Vice President of Marketing at both Salesforce and Exact Target. And I call Lakewood, Ohio on the shores of Lake Erie my home. Awesome. What do you do when you're not at work? Well, I am a, a beekeeper in my spare time. It has been Ooh. quite an interesting and thus far. Last year was the first year beekeeping with my daughter and we managed to get our hive through the winter uh, healthy. In fact, probably too healthy because uh, they have managed to uh, swarm a few times and split once uh, and we caught one of the swarms and so now my apiary has gone from uh, one hive to four so it'll be quite interesting because last year we had 55 pounds of honey and i'm not quite sure if the harvest will be as robust if it is we'll be giving away uh some honey on this podcast come fall <laughs> i'll have to send you a good uh, granola recipe using honey well, oh please do please you. do awesome well that is really neat that's something that we've never had here before as someone who's uh part-time beekeeper in addition to all the other fun stuff you do. So I mentioned the Job Seeker Nation report we started out and I wasn't kidding. That is one of the resources I've always looked forward to. And I don't know how many years it's actually been running, but it seems like forever for me since the earliest yeah, days so of my career. 11th year, 11th okay. year. Yeah. Okay. So why don't you give us a couple of the headlines out of that? I'd love to kind of just hear from you. What are the, some of the big picture ideas coming out of it? And we can kick those around a little bit and discuss why they matter for the HR and TA leaders listening in. Sure. So, you know, I'm, I'm the benefactor of a lot of great work for years and years going back at Jobline on this report. So it's built up a really nice reputation, taking a look at a, a snapshot of how job seekers feel about companies, the hiring process, technologies they use, et cetera. This year's wrinkle, however, was right as I was coming on board at the tail end of March was when obviously COVID-19 really hit and the stay-at-home orders started to, to, to affect more and more states. And we saw you know, massive layoffs and furloughs. So we had done our initial research in February of, of this year, 2020. And so we went back out and did a smaller set of questions, kind of revisiting them to see what sentiments had changed between February and April 
of this year. And so, you know, the headlines that you might expect is just in that, that mere two months, the anxiety in the job seeker marketplace had, had gone up markedly. So, you know, folks felt that in February, about half of them thought it was harder finding a job this year. That went up to about 75%. And uh, the folks who thought it was much harder also doubled from, you know, 23 to the, the mid 40s. And, and then the other piece of it was just the fear of losing a job uh, increased dramatically from 28% to 47%. So the top line headline was one of anxiety in the marketplace. And that's something that we obviously can all see just from observing the news. As, as you dig in further, you do get to some worrisome further worrisome kind of uh, things that are happening in that job seeker force, but you also begin to see some silver linings and some things that uh, job seekers are adapting. So more of them feel that having a resume is going to be important. You know, more of them are looking towards company reputation and, and, and employee culture as things that they are guiding their careers towards companies that they, they align with there. Now on the worrisome side, we also saw that 19% of the respondents told us that they or a member of their family had experienced food insecurity and gone without food for 24 hours within that two month period before we surveyed in April. And in light of that, one of the things we did right out of the gate when we released the report was to make a, a donation to feedingamerica.org uh, and we're encouraging uh, folks who are able at this point in time to make that donation or donate to similar organizations in their community because that that food insecurity obviously is a very, very real need and so fundamental to you know folks being able to actually go and find that next job. They first need to secure a house and home and food. One of the things that we always that I always think about when I'm thinking about the times that I've been looking for a job is there's already some anxiety there. There's already some some measure of fear there when you're putting yourself out there and, and all the things that go along with that. But this this changed it for people. You said, you know, some of those numbers fifty percent higher, basically, you know, going to seventy five percent for thinking it was harder to find a job. And I'm curious, what advice so let's take that and make something actionable out of it or something practical. How can we turn that? So for the the TA leaders listening in, like your candidates, obviously we should treat them kindly. Um, mm -hmm. We should, we should be considerate of those things, but that seems like it would indicate that the candidate experience would be even more important when people are coming at this, not just from a, I'm comfortable and I'm just looking from like, I am, you know, I'm, I bite my nails over here. I'm terrified for my family. I'm trying to find, find something to do so I can just, just provide any ideas, any insight there, any recommendations? Sure. I, you know, I think that the, the, the feedback we see in the report is one that, you know, candidates want to have clear communication, and that starts with job descriptions uh, that are sufficiently explanatory so folks can map their skills to job opportunities. And, and by and large, you know, job seekers felt about, you know, half the time that, that those, those descriptions were kind of lacking in detail. And the problem that creates for recruiters is, is you see a, a very large group of folks who will actually apply for jobs they don't have the skills for. So if you're not, if you're not defining the skill set uh, properly and you're marketing jobs into an environment where there's a surplus of job seekers, you're gonna get overwhelmed with both qualified and unqualified candidates. And so I think it's imperative that as you're, as you're posting things, as you're thinking about how to 
craft descriptions that they're sufficiently specific, but also now's the time for you to be thinking about how do I automate this, right? How do I automate candidate screening? How do I, you know, use text or chatbots to, you know, filter folks uh, in a way that is quick, respectful, and even-handed in how you approach it? Uh, so some of those front-end things I, I think are pretty critical. And then what's interesting is if you look into kind of the communication piece of, of what's going on, there's a real opportunity to, you know, use the, the channels of, of email and, and phone to move folks into perhaps channels that are going to be more efficient for you, like text. So we saw that about 80% of folks initially prefer email as kind of a principal channel of communication. But once you've communicated with them via text, 60% of them would then say they actually prefer that. So there's this interesting opportunity to move people into channels where you might be able to have greater efficiency and they actually respond better because, you know, 98% of texts are actually respond to, responded to as opposed to 20% of emails having a successful open rate. So there's a communication piece here that's going to be important because a high volume of candidates are going to, you know, really want to see responsive communication. You don't want it to fall into a black hole uh, because that can negatively impact your employer brand and the experience they have if they don't get that first job and you might want to talk to them later on down the line as a candidate for something else. Well, speaking of the brand, one of the things you mentioned earlier was that more of these candidates are looking at reputation, they're looking at culture, they're looking at those things. The job description, the job ad, like that's, yes, let's check that box, but then they want to go deeper and really understand who they're about to marry themselves up to potentially and what they can find out about those employers. Any, any further insights there or any, any, if not, any advice for employers on how to make sure they're showing their culture through how they're doing these things? Well, you know, as a testament to 2020 and how fast it moves, when we first came out with this report towards the beginning of May, you know, we were talking about it in the context of, you know, perhaps, you know, this part of what's happening in the market due to the pandemic hasn't caught up to job seekers. And maybe they're being, you know, too picky in instances. And if they, they truly are in a, a situation of financial straits, perhaps their standards will you know, perhaps be lessened and they'll be willing to take roles that perhaps they wouldn't have or with companies they wouldn't have. Well, now fast forward as we record this, you know, towards the, 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 the beginning, middle of June, we now obviously have the, the uh, Black Lives Matter protests in relation to the killing of George Floyd and how that has really spread around the globe. And you see companies handling that in public fashion in very degrees of success. Some have been, you know, very successful because they have a track record of being respectful for the, the needs of, uh, of African-Americans, the black community. You have others who are being called to the map because of perceived or real hypocrisy. And so it's interesting that we have these two huge societal forces at play. The pandemic, which has created a great deal of stress, great deal of uncertainty. And by the way, in that last month, from May to June, we've also had the biggest stock market rally. And we're now beginning to see unemployment tick down, although it's still very much in the double digits. So these things create a real cacophony of, 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 of challenge, I think, for the recruiter to kind of work through. But what they point to is your employee brand and how you represent yourself to your current employees and the outside world, your customers, is going to be critically important in terms of making sure that you are projecting the type of employer you want to be, 
the kind of world you want to work in and the kind of policies that are beneficial to not just perhaps shareholders, but to the real human beings who work for your company, uh, who have a variety of anxieties and concerns and things that are very real right now and, and we as a society are dealing with at a global level. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an intriguing snapshot we took, but it was just a snapshot. And now you fast forward a month and there's so many more things we can be discussing and, and picking apart. But I firmly believe that that, that voice of the company you know, comes from the culture, how you act, not just what you say. It's not just about putting up a, a black box on a social media profile. It's about what are the benefits that you're providing? How do you treat your employees? How, how does your CEO deal with things in a public fashion? And, and, and how do they communicate with employees and outside the organization? So really challenging time for, for everyone involved, but ultimately I'm, I'm a believer that that action uh, has to be a, a firm foundation of it. Yes, absolutely. For a lot of recruiters, they like it or not are the public face of their companies in some ways, and they've got to make sure they're putting the best foot forward. They're working with their marketing team to make sure they're putting the right, the right front out there, the way they're sharing their brand, the way they're talking about things. Again, in the midst of this saying something or not saying something is telling and you got to be really careful about the kind of message you're putting out there. One, one thing that I recall, I, I remember taking a look at the survey before we jumped on this conversation. And one of the things that stuck out to me um, was this focus on career growth. When I looked at the, the things yep. that candidates were looking for, it was higher than anything else in terms of a priority for them. And the talent ability conversation I know is one that, that you and the team have focused on a lot in the last year um, and will continue to, but I'm curious, any insight there around what just, you know, the, any further conversation around the career mobility piece, the focus sure. on that candidates are not just looking for, I want a job for today. I'm going to stay in this job for the next 10 years because we know that doesn't happen. Usually they're looking for a stepping stone. And if companies and recruiters and TA leaders can help those people see what that career path looks like inside the business, it seems like that would be a critical way to really attract them and appeal to them in the hiring process. Is that right? You're absolutely right. 56% of folks uh, said it was the most important factor when they're looking for a new job opportunity is career growth. And so if you, if you flip that around, it means that a lack of perceived uh, job growth or internal mobility is what's driving folks away. And, you know, we discovered that, you know, a very large percentage uh, of uh, those surveyed did not uh, know if their employees or their employers even had a, um, internal mobility program or they weren't well versed on it. So the first step is if you have a program, make sure you're educating your employees about it. You know, if you, if you do any tiered rankings or assessments or things, you want to make sure that your, you know, your top players are aware of the opportunities for growth, no matter what their level of experience so that they can see a future and a path within the organization. They don't have to look outside. The other thing that was interesting about the survey results is that, you know, we saw a trend towards stability, and this has been, I think, amplified by what has happened in the pandemic responses. Companies contracted as they furloughed workers. You know, folks, you know, naturally kind of gravitates toward you know stability. And certainly, as you as you get older, we found in in the in the survey that that's one of the driving factors, and, and people are staying at jobs longer once they you know crest 40, 50 years old, which stands to reason. It'll be really intriguing to see what happens with 
uh, millennials and uh, you know the next generation of workers that are entering into the workforce with regard to this experience. This is such a seismic shift. I mean, just an absolute earthquake of, of, of you know, huge proportion that has happened in so many different careers. You know, will it change their mindset? But I, I, I truly believe that as you look at companies, they think about what's happened to them, how they're going to be adjusting, whether it's you know, supporting more work from home, et cetera. The ability to have trusted employees grow within the company who've been there a long time, that's going to be a huge asset as opposed to folks who've got you know, far, far more transient workforces. So I think it is something to watch. And the place it has to start is with educating folks as to the programs you have to facilitate that career growth within. Yes, absolutely. It's, and there's usually when I talk to, to HR and the talent leaders about this idea, it's like, yeah, we, that we agree. We know it's important, but we're not sure how to start. And one of the things just as a, a not necessarily a sidebar, this is a corollary, I guess, to the things that Jeff was just saying, for those of you listening, one of the things in the survey they found was that people, two thirds of workers never or rarely check the, the internal job postings. So you're like, well, we got a job board. They don't always check that. They need to hear yep. that, but they're man give the manager some permission, some encouragement to share that. I know that's, that's in some companies that culture is, is that would be a little bit challenging. That would require someone to do something they might not want to do. Managers don't want to lose their great people. But at the same time, if they keep treating that person like they're their very own private resource, eventually that person's going to chafe and they'll leave. They'll, they'll be yep. upset because they don't have that ownership of their career. They don't have that opportunity to look at other roles. And so helping to bring managers in and to really partner on this, the, there's a lot of research beyond just this study that says that's a really critical way to make that work. So just a, a quick snippet there to add in what you were saying. Like there, there are ways to make that practical and to make that work without just saying, okay, that's a big deal. You know, hopefully we can get to that one day and, and moving on like it's not, it's not going to happen. Well, and the great thing is where, whereas in the past that might have been a battle to fight, you now actually have kind of this analogy. You know, so many managers were against the idea of working from home. And now due to the pandemic response, so many managers now understand, oh my gosh, I actually get more productivity and a happier employee in a work from home environment. That's not 100%, obviously. There's, there's varying experiences and, you know, it really depends on kind of your, your work from home situation. But, you know, so many companies have had their eyes open to an assumption they made about that. Well, so too, with the idea of internal mobility and boy, I don't want to lose this, this person to something, you know, uh, in the organization, they're so valuable to me, you know, it, it will open eyes, hopefully, that you can say, hey, just like we learned that, we need to learn that if we don't give this person room to grow. It's not a question of, you know, will you lose them? You will. It's just a question of whether we retain them as an organization and remain strong and retain all of that institutional knowledge or they go elsewhere. I really like that, that uh, tie-in there. We've already broken down some of this inertia that they felt like right. we, we've done it this way. Well, suddenly that, that's up in smoke. Let's now use this as a positive force for these other changes that need to happen. I like that. Um, one of the things that I, I enjoy, I love doing survey work. I love doing research because almost always something is in there that surprises me. I don't know if there's anything in there necessarily for you that was, you're like, oh, I didn't expect that, or I didn't know that number was going to be that big or anything like that. But anything that you, you saw in the data that just kind of jumped out at you that surprised you? You know, um, 
36% of the respondents in February uh, said they have a plan to have a second source of income. That jumped up to 46%, so a 10% increase in April. So you'd have nearly half of the respondents say, we're, we're gonna be looking for a second source of income. I found that to be very intriguing, especially since, you know, again, we're recording this in June, you know, the, the stats just came out that the, the technical recession began in February. So I halfway wonder if that was almost like a, a canary in the coal mine before we even went back out with the April research, that something's happening in the marketplace and um, there is a, a financial push and pull going on here for job seekers to, to make ends meet. And, and, you know, this ties into so many, so many of the societal strains that we're experiencing. You know, one can uh, only hope that at a, at a policy level, both at the state and federal level, we begin to look at that. But it is something for, I think, recruiters to be mindful of. You know, you're going to have to have, you know, policies and, you know, clarity and transparency around you know, the ability to hold a second job and, and what that means or to have secondary sources of income, you know, gig economy types of things on the side. I don't know how old you are, Jeff, and I'm not going to ask you to tell us, but do you remember moonlighting policies? I used to work for I companies that indeed. had those and it was, it was very specific and very strict. You basically, we own you and as long as we pay you, you can't do anything else. And yep. At some point, those went away for the most part, I guess. But that's the thing I thought of when you were saying that. Is, you know, that used to be the norm. Like we, we were, we didn't, we didn't let you do anything else. And now it's almost like, hey, cool. Everybody's got a side hustle going. Everybody's got something that they're doing because, not just because the income part of it. Which right now, again, that I'd expect that's part of the reason that 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 number jumped, the security and the income piece. But even back in February, before all this started. It, People are looking for an outlet for creativity. First, I just want to do something fun. I just want to meet new people and, you know, whatever might be encouraging them to do that. So being open to that, being more flexible. And again, going back to the point you made a few minutes ago, if this whole change that the world has seen in the last few months encourages companies to be more flexible overall and to be more human centric, there are a lot mm -hmm. of these things like that that are, that will help to be solved. That will, you know, that will be um, helped by that sort of bigger, bigger change, which is interesting. Well, and if you dig underneath that, you know, we, we moved from a, we moved lightning fast from an era of, you know, job seeker scarcity, right? With, you know, record low unemployment to one of record high unemployment. And at a time of record low unemployment, employers don't have the power. They don't, the power, you know, really rests with the job seeker. And so policies like moonlighting you know, slowly went away, especially in areas where the talent is in extraordinarily high demand and the talent holds the power. And so if you follow a traditional logic pattern, one would think that as you moved into an era where the power now has shifted back to employers because there's high unemployment, that employers might be able to demand more. However, I think, you know, maybe that horse has left the barn a little bit, but what it points to is you know, if your policy is to be accommodating, you still need a policy and it still needs to be clearly communicated or else, you know, it is subject to potential abuse. And not everybody has the same kind of acumen and experience and skill set to understand, hey, if this is the primary job, right, you're going to, you're going to, you know, put the majority of your time here, you know, we're getting that first energy type of effort. And so those communicates, those communications have to be up front, they're very difficult to have, you know, once you're in that circumstance and you haven't made it clear to the employee set what the rules are. 
Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of having clarity around those kinds of rules because I think it lessens your, your problems downstream. So you and I have talked through some of the highlights, certainly not all of them from the report. If someone wants to get their hands on it, wants to dig into it, what's the best way to do that? Sure. Uh, just go to, uh, to jobbyte.com. You can check out our resources section. We've got not only the uh, 2020 Job Seeker Nation report, but a number of infographics and blog posts dissecting different parts of it. And if you can't find it in that fashion and uh, you prefer uh, a different way, just drop 2020 Job Seeker Nation into your local Google and it will find it for you. Thank you, Google, for that help. You also told me you guys are about to start doing some other fun stuff coming up this summer. Do you mind sharing that? Yeah, I'm really excited about this, and, and so is our team. So, you know, in thinking about an environment in which, you know, a number of recruiters and talent acquisition professionals are, are seeking their next role uh, because of the, the upheaval that's happened the last couple months, in, in thinking about those recruiters who are in-house and perhaps idle because they're not hiring as they once did, or thinking about those folks who are working harder than ever because they're having to ramp up either as an essential business or one that, is ha that has growth opportunities. You know, we thought about you know, what kind of educational programming, what kind of things that help skills and, and just provides a little bit of a different uh, approach to things could we put together. So we have launched, by the time this comes out, what we call the Summer to Evolve. And you can see the whole lineup at the summertoevolve.com. It's going to consist of on-demand videos that we post to YouTube uh, called Recruiter Skills Sessions. We've got these sessions called Too Talented, which I'm really excited about. And Ben, you're participating in one of them where we're, we're putting somebody from inside the talent acquisition industry opposite somebody from outside. And so in your case, I'm so excited about this one because I think it's on, let me, let me double check my, my date here, but I think we've got you slated for um, August 26th. Uh, which is a Wednesday, sitting opposite Paul Raitzer. And Paul Raitzer is the founder of the Marketing AI Institute. So I know HREI is near and dear to your heart. Mm -hmm. Paul has built the Marketing AI Institute, and I can't wait to just get you guys together to talk about the implications, the applications of AI and automation in your respective fields. So those two talented are going to be really a lot of fun. We've got um, Joe Polizzi, who's the, the godfather of content marketing, talking with Joel Cheeseman. We've got actually the first one we're doing is uh, Lori Sylvia with Jade Burrell, who is the, the founder of Telemetry, which is now part of Jobbyte. So, so some really interesting, unique kind of mixes on that. And then the other programming, we're doing some demo days around our product just so that people can get to know the Jobbyte talent acquisition suite and um, uh, recruiter real talk roundtables, peer-to-peer conversations. And then the, the fun one that's a little bit different is called The Break Room. And for the first session, we've got IndyCar driver, James Henchcliffe, who, who, who really uh, had, had an extraordinary accident on the racetrack, almost killed him, came back a year later to place on the pole of the IndyCar race at Indianapolis, the Indianapolis 500. And in that same year was the runner up on Dancing with the Stars. And we've also got Damon Wayans Jr. and Chris Jones, Damon Wayans Jr. being the actor, and we've got uh, Chris, who's his co-founder of this app called Special Guest App. We're going to talk about how they evolved that app. So just a lot of really fun, free content. So it's running 12 weeks, individual sessions you can um, register for for free. And looking to, to hopefully help people upgrade their skills and you know just have some really enjoyable uh, content to pepper in throughout their summer. 
That is tremendous. Well, I really appreciate you joining me for the conversation today, Jeff. I, again, as, as a fellow data nerd, and I can tell, right, you're throwing the numbers around, you know this stuff back and forth. I, I really appreciate you helping me to share some of those stories, some of the encouragement with the, the HR, the talent leaders out there about what's happening in the marketplace, the most up-to-date kind of view of the world we have. I appreciate it. No problem anytime. Appreciate Absolutely. Awesome. To everybody else, hope you enjoyed our conversation today on We're Only Human. We'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I'm honored to have you as a listener. If you enjoyed this episode, please take 10 seconds to rate it at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, if you know a friend that could benefit from today's conversation, please pass it their way. After all, a rising tide lifts all ships. To see show notes, sponsor information, and our full show archives, visit OnlyHumanShow.com.